0: Good morning and welcome to O-Readers Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Katie F and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, January 2015, January 21, 2015. Today we are reading from the big book, chapter three, more about alcoholism, and we're at page 40, the last paragraph. Today's readers are Larry K, Michelle H, Deb W., and Penny C. The reference number for Tuesday, January 20th, is 7201. That's 7201. OA Preamble Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively.
1: 5. I admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. 6. Were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. 7. Humbly asked Him to remove our shortcomings. 8. Made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. 9. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank
0: you for allowing me to do service. I pass.
2: Thank you, Cindy.
0: I will now ask Anita L. to read the 12 traditions.
3: Good morning, everybody. This is Anita L., recovered for today by the grace of God in Philadelphia. at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public of communication, 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and with that, I pass.
0: Thank you, Anita. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature and stop and share in what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no absence requirement for sharing on topics. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what what's read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page 40, the last paragraph. I will ask Larry Kay to begin reading.
4: Thanks, Katie. Larry Kaye, recovered compulsive overeater from Chicago. In this frame of mind, I went about my business, and for a time, all was well. I had no trouble refusing drinks and began to wonder if I had not been making too hard work of a simple matter. One day, I went to Washington to present some accounting evidence to a government bureau. I had been out of town before during this particular dry spell, so there was nothing new about that. Physically, I felt fine. Neither did I have any pressing problems or worries. My business came off well. I was pleased and knew my partners would be too. It was the end of a perfect day, not a cloud on the horizon. I went to my hotel and leisurely dressed for dinner. As I crossed the threshold of the dining room, the thought came to mind that it would be nice to have a couple of cocktails with dinner. That was all, nothing more. I ordered a cocktail in my meal. Then I ordered another cocktail. After dinner, I decided to take a walk. When I returned to the hotel, it struck me a highball would be fine before going to bed. So I stepped into the bar and had one. I remember having several more that night and plenty next morning. I had a shadowy recollection of being in an airplane bound for New York and of finding a friendly taxi cab driver at the landing field instead of my wife. The driver escorted me about for several days. I know little of where I went or what I said and did. Then came the hospital with the unbearable mental and physical suffering. So, you know, here was Fred in a, in a particular, particular frame of mind. You know, he, he was, talked about in the previous paragraph, what type of frame of mind. He was, he was just like many of us who, who think we're not too far advanced, perhaps, um, in this disease. Thinking we can do this, uh, fueled by our own willpower, and you know, all went well for a time. <laughs> it was kind of like he was uh, he was dieting with group support. That's what I was doing when I first came into this program. Seemed like he he uh, you know he he had been unusually successful in, in his life. We learned a bit about Fred, and it, and it you know no need to make too big of a deal of this simple matter. And so uh, here he was, he was refusing drinks, and uh, you know one day he 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 goes to Washington to you know to present some information to this government bureau and you know, he didn't know what he was up against. I didn't know what I was up against either, you know, and uh, it took time for me to learn because frankly, um, a couple of things I wasn't presented really with the, the twofold nature of this disease or. Um, I'd say, and I, I, I did when, when that information kind of seeped in every so often, um, it was crowded out by worldly clamors. It was crowded out by other misinformation I was receiving in OA, um, uh, you know, working the tools and keep coming back and all this, uh, for me, nonsense, you know, because it would never get me well. And so there's Fred, you know, just like us, we have to identify with Fred, you know, uh, uh, or, 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 you know, some of us would identify with Fred. So there he was, and he, he goes to his, his hotel, leisurely dresses for dinner, and then, you know, just there he is. And as he crosses the threshold of the dining room, there's that thought. There's that obsession of the mind. It just kind of comes in, and you're insidiously, it just kind of seeps in, right? Everything's going well. You know what, it'd be nice to have a couple of cocktails with dinner. You know, that piece of cheesecake, that's, you know, it's not going to hurt me. After all, you know, I had lost some weight and I I was receiving, you know, some compliments. Boy, Larry, you look pretty good, buddy. You know, more pride and ego and so forth. So then that was it. You know, he had a couple of cocktails with dinner. That was all, nothing more. And we've been there too, right? And then he had another cocktail, another piece of cheesecake. Another, you know, more candy. And he returns to the hotel and, and then he's off and running. You know, and that's, um, and next thing you know, you, you know, we're pounding our, our fist on the bar. You know, how did, how did I get here? Someone woke up this morning on the line right now. How did I do it again last night? Why, can I, why can't I get this thing? See, maybe you're not ready to hear of the twofold nature of the disease and that also that you're no match for this obsession of mine. Fred was no match. Better men than me were no match for this disease. And uh, so I I have to understand the problem, and I have to understand the solution. And, you know, it, it really, you know, there's an old Chinese proverb that says, knowledge is obtained by others. Wisdom we must acquire ourselves. You know, other people can give us knowledge. You can come to this line every day. But wisdom is something you have to gain through personal experience. You have to walk through these steps. And guess what? Four through nine, not so easy. Simple, but not so easy. You have to walk through. And in my journey and coming to believe in a power greater than myself as the result of working these steps, I'm not sharing something theoretical. I'm free today. You know, I'm free from the self-will, the despair, anger, resentment, fear. And this message hasn't changed since 1939. So if you want, I'll wrap up and say, if you want sobriety more than anything else in life, it's available to you. If you want to be truly free from the bondage of your bin substance, you have to walk through these steps. It's not reserved for the chosen few. Thank God for Alcoholics Anonymous. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks.
0: Thank you, Larry. Uh, who else would like to uh, comment on these two paragraphs?
5: This would be Paula
0: D. In,
5: uh, Melissa C. Matt M.
6: M-M. Kim
0: M. Sally A. Okay, I have Sally A, Paula, Matt, Kim M, and Kim G. Melissa C. And Melissa C. I heard you there. Thank you. Okay, let's go with those for now. Sally, Pam, I mean, Sally, Paula, Matt, Kim M, Kim G, Melissa C. Your turn, Sally.
7: Thank you. Good morning, Katie.
0: Um, good morning, A Vision for You. It's Sally a.
7: in South Jersey. I recovered from Pulse overeater, and um, these are really super-duper paragraphs. Um, this first sentence that we read this morning, in this frame of mind I went about my business, and for a time all was well. Um, so what was his frame of mind? He just finished saying, it was only a matter of exercising my willpower and keeping on guard. What's interesting to me is that right across the page, if you let your eyes wander, Right across the page, it says, as soon as I regained my ability to think, I went carefully over that evening in Washington. Not only had I been off guard. So on the left side, we see on page 46 that this guy is keeping on guard. And now on the other side of the page, he's going to tell us, after all is said and done, that not only had I been off guard. So, you know, it's interesting because he's really looking at this from a perspective of, setting boundaries, and being on guard against the drinking. But we know that he doesn't have a drinking problem. In fact, he has a thinking problem. Because the drink was just the symptom of the thinking problem. We know that from page 24 and, of course, Many, many times over and over again, we're going to see the same concept of the memory blank spot on page 42, on page 92, over and over. But my favorite is on page 24 where it says, we are unable at certain times to bring into our consciousness with sufficient force the memory of the suffering and humiliation of even a week or a month ago. We are without defense, as in on guard versus off guard. We are without defense against the first drink in this case, bite in our case. And so keeping on guard or keeping or, or being off guard, it's just not going to work. We can put up all the swords we want to guard against what's coming at us. But the truth is that I have a thinking problem. I have a mental blank spot. I have come to think of it as selective dementia in my case because I really do see it as a form of dementia. Why do I forget the pain and the suffering of a week or a month ago or even five years ago that I would pick up that first bite? And that is the problem this guy is presenting. He goes into another day and he thinks at the end of it, and many of us identify with this, where you, you, know, you were strong and solid and you were on guard through the holiday. And then the day after the holiday, that's when you picked up because you were off guard interesting. And ultimately, what it boils down to is, you know, this whole second paragraph that we read this morning, we see that this guy has the same nonchalant attitude of, hey, I'm probably normal. I'm probably making this bigger than it really is. I'm probably really normal. I'm going to go ahead and have just, I'm going to have a normal highball cocktail, whatever they call it, I never was a drinker, so I'm not familiar with all the appropriate times of day to have the appropriate drink. But I'm very adept at what's the right thing to eat at the right time, and it's pretty much when it's all gone, I'm done. So, I again, I identify him with this guy as well. Thanks for letting me share. I pass.
0: Thank you, Sally. Paula. E. Press star one to unmute, please.
5: Thank you. Thank you always for that little reminder. I seem to be doing it the opposite, which we see okay. here, too. Thank you, Elaine. Thank you for your service today. My name is Paula D. I am a compulsive eater recovered by the grace of God. And I come into these paragraphs, too, in these pages. And boy, don't I go. Can I not walk along with Fred? You know, it says here, and I'm going to go along with the same word. In this frame of mind, what is a frame? A frame surrounds the picture. And what was it surrounded by? Ah, willpower and keeping on God. I've done it. I've done it. And then he goes on and he went on his business. But I love this guy. Can't you just hear him whistling along? Not a cloud in the sky. You know, always when I did things because something terrible happened and I had to eat. Oh, of course. I had a drink. I had a drug, whatever. Choice always yours. And then it says here, again, and I keep thinking, not a cloud in the sky. That means everything's going around good. Everything's good. Lord, everything's good. I'm going to keep mindful of the time here because it passes quickly. Remember that also. So I went in the hotel, and then I like this because it's all the scribbly lines, and we all know the value of that. You better stop here. He didn't. As I crossed the threshold of the dining room, the thought came to mind. Look at the word came, past tense. Honey, it was there. It was already there, only to be acted on. He only had his willpower, remember? I forgot. that it would have to be, then it would be nice. I used to have a couple of cocktails with dinner. That's all. And look at the word "nice." That was all, nothing more. Uh, An addict. I make everything that is small so huge, and everything that is huge so small. (laughs) That is my thwarted, twisted thinking. And then, as we go along, and my time is coming to an end here, when I return to the hotel. Oh, oh! By the way, he took a walk. (laughs) That'll do it. You know, clear the brain. A brain that cannot be cleared. It already is so yet foggy. When I returned to the hotel, it struck me. Struck. Look at the word. It struck. You bet it does. A highball would be fine before going to bed. So I stepped. There it is, into the bar in had one. I remember having several more that night and the next morning. And then the shadowy recollection what we want to forget is there to remind us. I thank you for allowing me to share. With that, I do pass.
0: Thank you, Paula. Matt, you're up. Can you hear me? Yes.
8: Hi, good morning, fellow visionaries. My name is Matt M. I'm from New Jersey over on the East Coast. It's amazing how these these two paragraphs, they really say a lot. The beginning and the bottom of page 40, it's in this frame of mind, I went about my business for a time all as well. I had no trouble refusing drinks. The cockiness is already starting to come into his head, you know, that the disease is already starting to work on him. Like, you're fine. You're okay. Like, yeah, like, I don't ha- I can go to that restaurant, that particular restaurant, and eat with impunity. Yeah, I can handle menus now. It's only been, like, uh, uh, three months since I've been working program, but I can handle a menu. It's, it's amazing how it precedes the first drink, the thinking. Physically, I felt, physically, he felt fine. But worse, he doesn't talk about his mental and spiritual fitness, does it? And it's lovely how he um, everything is in italicized because it said before a couple of days ago that someone said um, that how much, how expensive it was to put italics in this big book back in the time. It was very expensive in print. So they really want us to pay attention to these lines. It's already, it's talking about how he's already doing it. The disease is just about to pounce on him. As I crossed the threshold of the dining room, hmm, the thought came to mind. It's amazing. And um, what about that cab driver at the end? Who was that guy? I mean, if that happened to me, I would be like, oh, my God, I would have been scared to death. And it's just like, whatever. It's just like, eh, whatever. It's just like he he's just accepting it, you know. He's not even really thinking about it too much. Um, it's just amazing how it's okay to drink before going to bed. Like, for me, it's okay to binge before I go to bed. I won't wake up with a hangover like he, like he thought he wasn't going to wake up with a hangover. And um, <clears throat> it's just amazing how um, as he's saying this, as he's, uh, he's saying he's feeling fine, I'm picturing Zippity-Doo-Dah playing in the background because, like, you know, Mr. Bluebird come out right on my shoulder, there's nothing wrong, I not care in the world. And um, that is what caught him off guard. He failed to enhance his spiritual life. He didn't have it, he didn't have program. So, like, you know, this, my, my thinking, I know for me, my thinking is skewed. It's screwed up. I don't think right. <clears throat> and so how can a sick mind save itself? It can't. So he was already in the throes of alcoholism, very, very deeply into it. And um, I'm just recognizing that My, I, I totally resonate with the section about me, how I can just, oh, suddenly the thought occurred to me I can have this. And um, with that, I'll pass. Again, my name is Matt M. I'm a recovered uh, composable over eater in uh Jersey in the East Coast. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much, Matt. Kim M., your turn. Good morning, everyone. Um, This is Kim M., a
9: recovered and grateful compulsive overeater in Texas. Um, What these two paragraphs say to me, it it just explains, well, it it gives you a glimpse of the obsession of the mind and how it is so progressive, you know, and just like in, in our disease, there was a time in my 20s where I would say, oh, I just want to lose weight. So I would go on some freaky diet. You know, the worst thing I ever did was I heard of Elizabeth Taylor uh, that she drank uh, a half a cup of white vinegar before each meal, and that was supposed to cut the calories. Well, I figured with my mind, that drinking a whole cup or maybe a little bit more before each meal would really cut the calories. Well, that that ended uh, with me being uh, at the doctor for several days in a row after doing that for a while. But what this just talks about is that, you know, we just have this mind that doesn't function properly when it comes to, you know, the disease of compulsive overeating. And I'm just very grateful and thankful for all of you guys and thankful that we have a solution, you know, that helps us be able to live, you know, a a normal life. I mean, and once I found OA, I was like, oh, my goodness, these people do what I do, you know. So thank you so much for letting me share. And everyone,
0: have a good day. Thank you, Kim from Texas, and Kim G, Europe. Good morning, Katie. Good morning,
10: all. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. When I returned to the hotel, it struck me a highball would be fine before going to bed. So I stepped into the bar and had one. So that's this whole idea of this mental twist. You know, what struck me this suddenly? So I think to myself, no, well, it's only the whole grain version of my binge food. It should be okay. You know, I had a good workout. It's just going to be one slice of pizza. You know, I'm in a really fancy restaurant. I don't have an opportunity to binge, so I'm just going to have a couple. You know, it struck me if I only eat the green M&Ms, then I'm going to be okay. You know, it struck me if I have a moderate meal and then eat a bunch of carrots and then binge and then I throw up only till I see the carrots, then that's going to be okay. These are all the things that struck me. And the reason I love comparing Fred and Jim was because I was under the delusion that if I could get things to go my way, then I wouldn't need to binge. I was told that I had an emotional problem in a way and if I could control my emotions, then I wouldn't need to binge. And here, Fred's having a great day. The mental twist doesn't care if I'm having a good day or a bad day. It's looking for the opportunity to strike me with that strange idea. And the allergy of the body, which is a biological mandate, doesn't care whether we pick up for a good reason or a bad reason. We're going to have that biological mandate of wanting more and more, that feeling intensifying and never satisfying. So I just want to share one of the the um, episodes that struck me and what that turned into, and I honestly don't remember if it was a good day or a bad day, but I had come home from the gym, so I can't remember if I was earning a binge or if I was making up for a binge, but I got into my apartment, and it struck me, well, it's a really good workout. Maybe I'll just have one of something, and I went to the freezer, and I had something that should be cooked, but I ate it. And then I started eating, and I started eating. And I was a human calculator of knowing how many calories I had to consume and how much I had to do working out-wise. And I lost count, and I got terrified. So I tore over the, the trash can, and I started going through all the wrappers, trying to add up all the calories to figure out how much penance I had to do on my elliptical machine. And I realized I looked like a heroin addict looking for needles. And I sat there sobbing, rocking back and forth, Because at that point I was thin and I was so insane I couldn't stand it. And I am not sure if that trash can episode was the end of a perfect day, not a cloud on the horizon, or if I was like Jim where everything didn't go my way. I just want to stress the point that it doesn't matter whichever whichever one it is. The mental twist, if not treated through the steps, will always bring us back to the allergy which will condemn us to binge. And with that, I pass.
0: Thank you, Kim G. Melissa C, your turn.
6: Hi, this is Melissa C, a recovered compulsive overeater from New York. And um, you know, at this point in um in the story it's um it, it's he's finally maybe gonna realize what's coming up against. You know, I uh thought if I didn't eat my trigger food um, it made sense to me. I kind of understood that there was something weird that happened to me when I ate my trigger food. Um, so I could stay away from those. That made sense. And, um, you know, exert a little willpower, um, keep on guard against uh, that, um, then everything would be fine. But, um,
11: you know, and then
6: looking, back, that notion of keeping on guard, you know, I'm thinking about... Um, you know, you want to keep uh, an intruder out, and so you're you're setting up uh, your guard, and you're you're standing at the window, you're locking the doors, and then the realization is the intruder is me. I'm I'm the one that I have to be afraid of. You know, my my willpower and keeping on guard against what? Against my own mind that's trying to keep on guard. Um, I'm the thing that's broken here, and. You know, also the looking um, not a cloud on the horizon. You know, again, looking for an external um, stimulus that's causing me to eat. And there's nothing external that's doing it. It's inside my broken mind. And, um, you know, that's the aha for me, you know, because I've tried so long, <laughs> To exert this willpower that seems to work in every other area of my life, and except here. Here is where it it's completely fails me. And, um, you know, that's when the spiritual solution comes in that this problem is far too great for my willpower, it's far too great to keep on guard, um, that I actually have to be transformed. It, it has to come from my brain and who Melissa is in order to have recovery. And then once that transformation takes place, then the notion of keeping on guard has a new definition for me. It means um, continuing to work my program like my life depends on it, pressing into the steps, you know, not neglecting to do my daily reading, writing, meditation turning my food
0: over. I have to do all these things. That's the only way I can keep on uh um, And uh grateful that I know that today. So. Thank you, Melissa. Is there anyone else who wanted to speak on this before we move on? I'd like
2: to share. This is Vasa, please, Kathy.
0: Okay, Vasa, um, you can share, and then I will ask Michelle H. to read the next paragraph. Thank you.
4: Vasa,
2: press star one. Kathy, am I next or somebody else? Yeah,
0: no. Yeah, Vasa, your turn.
2: Oh, I'm sorry. I thought there was another person before me. Anyways, no. uh, good morning, everybody. I'm Vasa. Recover Composible Vida calling from Florida. Uh, and thank you, Kathy, for your service, and thank you for everybody being here this morning. And, um, boy, uh, that identification with Fred, you know, how I can identify you know, that's what, when when I came, started studying the big book, uh, my sponsors said, just cross alcohol and put food, food there. And I had the book all marked, food, 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 food everywhere. But I could relate, you know, with the alcoholic, you know, that what they want, if they wanted to put the alcohol and how they did it or how they kept on going back and forth. And that's what I did in my eating years, you know, for 25 years. Oh, my God, I tried everything. And I remember saying, well, if I only do do this little bit, it's not going to hurt me, and I'd go right all the way, you know. I remember playing the games, but I didn't even know what I was doing, you know. Uh, the insanity that goes, that went with the, with the disease, it's just amazing. But in those years, I thought I was doing the right thing. I'll just use one example out of many, many examples. When I, was, when I went to the Weight Watchers, I, mean, I was so gun ho I was going to really eat healthy, healthy. And I'd spend the whole day trying to cook and put packages in the freezer, you know, make it as healthy as I could as nutrition. And you know what? By the end of the day, I didn't want to eat that food. And, you know, and it came to the point, I threw it out. Look at the insanity I did. I cooked and cooked all day, and after a while, I didn't even want to eat it. It's craziness. But um, uh, you know again, I'm so grateful that i am that God brought me to away and the big book and the twelve steps, and let me see the truth about my disease and myself um uh again, before I came to the the big book, I didn't know anything about the disease, I didn't know anything about the allergy, you know the mental obsession like the way I do today. But I did really take it seriously when I came. It's just vast. It's like coming to the road and you come to a cross. You know, to the end of the road. Which way do you want to go? Do you want to take left or you want to take a right? Well, I took it this way because I was going to die anyway. So I felt like I had nothing to lose, you know. And I have a second chance to life. I'm so so grateful to be here with all of you. And I pass.
0: Thank you, Vasa. And Michelle H., will you please read the next paragraph?
2: Yes.
12: Good morning, Katie, and good morning, Visionaries. Michelle H., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Missouri. As soon as I regained my ability to think, I went carefully over that evening in Washington. Not only had I been off guard, I had made no fight, whatever, against the first drink. This time, I had not thought of the consequences at all. I had commenced to drink as carelessly as though the cocktails were ginger ale. I now remembered what my alcoholic friends had told me, how they prophesied that I had an alcoholic mind, the time and that if I had an alcoholic mind, the time and place would come. I would drink again. They had said that though I did raise a defense, it would one day give way before some trivial reason for having a drink. Well, just that did happen, and more, for what I had learned of alcoholism did not occur to me at all. I knew from that moment that I had an alcoholic mind. I saw that willpower and self-knowledge would not help in those strange mental blank spots. I had never been able to understand people who said that a problem had them hopelessly defeated. I knew then it was a crushing blow. And, um... You know, talk about identifying in. This paragraph really hits home for me because, yeah, I, um, you know, I could embrace the notion and the thought that um, my body was was abnormal and it was different. Um, I could admit that if I put certain substances in, then that, you know, that phenomenon of craving, um, you know, would take over. But um, I had difficulty in understanding people who, you know, thought a problem was hopeless you know i th- I had um you know I had that pride and arrogance in in my mind thinking that you know i i was I was different, my mind wasn't abnormal and um the the same the same thing happened to me um, you know I did not have a a single remembering a single remembrance of those consequences of where you know when I put that first bite into my mouth where it would take me although when I was in the f- physical and mental anguish of it, I thought, I will never forget this. How could I forget this? I've got a good memory. It will come to mind. Um, <clears throat> but, um, you know, um, it had been told to me, too, that this mental obsession is there. It's always present. Uh, my mind's looking for ways to rationalize and justify picking up because that's what I had done before. Um, and I had an experience where it was a wonderful I was having a wonderful experience, a wonderful time reconnecting with a family member, and um, I had been resisting. I had been using my mind and willpower. But once again, um, that that thought and that experience, um, I was careless. I picked up that substance as if it um, it was something healthy for me, as if there would be no consequence. And And it was going through these experiences, being finally brought to that place where it was such a crushing blow, where I could see... That, yes, you know, my willpower, my thinking um, was no match for this strange mental blank spot that would, you know, somehow be just absent. It wouldn't be there. I wasn't able to connect the dots and remember it all, and there I was back in the food again. And, um, you know, that was real powerlessness for me. That was, you know, the real beginning of embracing this step one and realizing that my mind was not trustworthy, that my mind needed protection. And the only help for me was, as, you know, I had a spiritual problem. I needed a spiritual solution, a remedy. And to align my will with a, a, a will that was greater than my will, that was more powerful. And and that the only way I could align my will with a, a power greater than mine was through the process of these steps. And it was a humbling experience. It was a crushing blow. It was part of taking that step one for me. And even though it didn't feel good, um, it was right where I needed to be to reach that place of humility that my mind was no match for this disease. Um, but there was a process that I could take, there was help for me, and there there's you know, I'm not unique, there's help for all of us. And um thanks for letting me share, I'll pass.
0: Thank you, Michelle. Who would like to share on the this paragraph? This is Michelle Bella. Okay. Michelle.
3: Michelle.
0: Okay. Michelle K,
3: Leia B, Anita
0: Rebecca, L. Hey okay, Leia, Anita L. I thought there was someone with the last name of B. Rebecca B. Rebecca B. Okay. Okay. So we'll have Bella, Michelle without an initial, Rebecca B, Leah, and Anita L.
4: Go ahead,
13: Bella. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Bella G, and I am a thankful, recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Katie, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. Wow, such wonderful and strong uh, reading today. Well, we started with the last paragraph in this frame of mind, of mind, and the, now the, now this reading. It's again. It's a, so many times the word yeah. mind is coming into this paragraph. Yes, the mind, the mind. Before the before I came into the program, my mind was different. I was, you know, I was thinking differently. If I had a bad a bad day, I was blaming and judging, and I went into the food because of other people, because if only. And when I had a good day, also I went into the food because only with food I could celebrate my happiness, my excitement, my successful. This was my mind. Now, thank you, God, that I am in the program. Yes, I am aware that I have a disease, that my disease is allergy in the body and obsession in the mind and I have to change my mind. I have to change my sickening thinking. And only with and, and in the program I got the tools, the twelve steps that help me to change my mind. To put other things in my mind. To learn to pose and to say Bella wait a minute Why you have those thoughts right now? How can you change them? And not to run right away to the food. And yes, thank you, God. Now that I am in the program, I know that I have a problem with my willpower, with my self-knowledge. Yes, thank you, God. Now that I am in the program, I know that I am human. And I am powerless. And yes, I choose to be connected to the higher power. To be connected to a power that loves me and accepts me. And yes, thank you God. I am not afraid to face reality anymore. I live free. I live in happiness. I am not looking for to be in guard on the time. I know that I am connected to an accepting power, and this is the freedom. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass.
0: Thank you, Bella. And our next speaker is Michelle. Hi,
10: this is Michelle Kay, compulsive overeater in northern New Jersey. Um, Not only had I been off guard, I had made no fight whatever against the first drink. This time, I had not thought of the consequences at all. That makes me think of so often when I have to go somewhere, and just every day I think about, um, I think it's like page one hundred or one hundred and one. It says, if the alcoholic tries to shield himself, he may succeed for a time, but he usually winds up with a bigger explosion than ever. I, I can never be off guard. I cannot be disconnected from my higher power. Every morning when I go over my plans for the day, I'm asking my higher power to have my back, to stay with me. I have to follow that rule. Not to avoid a place or a situation or people, if if I have to be there, but I have to be sure that I'm on solid spiritual ground before before I start, and that my motive is going in going or being somewhere is thoroughly good. Fred had been off guard; he had not had the solid spiritual ground to keep him steady. Every day I'm learning how dependent my recovery and my life is on my spiritual growth. I saw that willpower and self-knowledge would not help me in those strange mental blank spots. Those are the moments right before a first bite for me, the strange mental blank spots in me, the true compulsive overeater that I am. It doesn't exist in the normal eater. The normal eater remembers the consequences of eating a food they are allergic to. Those memories prevent them from taking that first bite. Even if everyone around them can eat that food with no reaction, even if they think they're really craving that crunch, that taste, that high, they just remember they shouldn't have it, so they don't. Not me. No, even if I momentarily recall that I should not eat that food, I believe with all my heart that this time I will not have a reaction. This time will be different and then that barely audible distant memory falls into the black hole of strange mental blank spot and without a connection to my higher power, I will eat. Because only a power greater than me, greater than my mental capacity, can guide me away from the food, the behaviors, the compulsions. For I am powerless over food, and my life is unmanageable when I try to manage it.
0: And with that, I pass. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Michelle Kay. Rebecca B., you're up. Hello? Hello, we can hear you. Okay, hi, thanks. This is
14: Rebecca B. i I'm a compulsive overeater. And um, this is the first time I've actually shared on the line. I've been listening for a long time, but I knew I needed to go the next step. So, um, you know, as I look at, as I read this paragraph, the line that just sticks out to me the the most is the alcoholic mind. Um, And I so desperately wanted that to be different. I I so, you know, my alcoholic mind with food kept me in in food for over forty years, and I spent you know years and years and years and years thinking that I was doing it differently each time, and thinking that if I just thought this through differently, or if I just read enough self-help books, or if I just maybe tried to have one bite, or you know, um, I, I just lived in this unbelievable hell and truly believed that each time I was doing it differently, or each time I was thinking. Insanely or that I would somehow figure this thing out. And um, I, I was completely defenseless against food and completely defenseless against seeing it any differently. Um, I wanted so desperately to believe that there was an answer other than stopping using food. Um, and, and I just stayed in that forever and ever. And for me today, that mind is what has to change for me to not, to not eat. Food was my God. And I had to find God and am finding God every day with the help of a sponsor. I'm working these steps and this line. So thank you.
0: Thank you, Michelle. Um, I'm sorry, Rebecca. Thank you, Rebecca B. And Leah, your turn.
15: Thank you so much, Katie. Good morning, everybody. Leah M. recovered, compulsive overeater. I saw that willpower and self-knowledge would not help in those strange mental blank spots. It was a crushing blow. You know, I love this story of Fred because I I certainly relate to Fred. You know, at least Jim had a sense that something was a little off in his thinking. Um, He still acted on his thinking, however. You know, Fred didn't sense anything. You know, it just kind of hit him upside the head. And, you know, that is... The insanity here, you know, even after these AAers, you know, had sat and talked with him, even after uh, the mental anguish, you know, the physical suffering that he had experienced due to his alcoholism, even after all that humiliation and shame. Uh, You know, he gets himself in a situation where he has no defense against that first drink, and that's exactly what the big book is really trying to uh, reinforce here is that the powerlessness is not after uh, Fred's had a few cocktails and he's being driven around by a taxi driver. Um, the the real powerlessness here is even after Fred has learned all about alcoholism, even when he has made a promise that he's not going to drink anymore, that's it, he's putting down his foot, no more, put the plug in the jug, everybody's going to be happy. Even after all that, he still makes a decision based on a lie that this time it's not an issue and he can have a drink. And that's why, you know, the big book, says this greater aspect of my disease resides in my mind, that I have a defective mind. I'm suffering from an obsession where one idea enters the consciousness and dominates it in such a way that all other ideas, to the contrary, are shoved aside, and this obsession becomes the only reality. You know, and that's why this is not about Fred versus alcohol. You know, the alcohol is down. This is Fred versus Fred. You know, he has a mind that does not connect the dots, his pain has no memory, and that's the insanity that the big book is talking about here. That, you know, and also since it's the only thought that Fred has, he doesn't even realize that it's the only thought. <laughs> because his only thought is, wouldn't it be nice to have a cocktail? So, you know, that's why the big book, uh, you know, encourages me to get a new mind, a spirit-guided mind, how do I get one of those? Where do I buy one of those? Well, I get that through the process of the 12 steps, because I'm not going to be able to solve a spiritual problem with a physical solution. Sobriety is not enough for dear Fred. He's going to need something much greater than just uh, sobriety. He needs a relationship with a power greater than himself to restore him to sanity. And with that, I pass thanks.
0: Thank you, Leah M. Anita L.
3: Good morning, everybody. My name's Anita L. I'm recovered for today by the grace of God. Uh, living in in a suburb of Philadelphia, so I I just felt really compelled to share today, and the reason is because when this last paragraph was read, I started tearing. It just really hit me, you know, how important it is that I recognize and accept the fact. I have to really accept it in my heart. My whole being, every little morsel of me, needs to come to realize and recognize and be willing to believe that I have a killing disease. It's not just a little food thing that I have. This disease could kill me. I saw it with my sister five years ago. It it did kill her. It wasn't written on her on her death certificate. She had a stroke. However, I know it was because her weight uh, was the reason that she had so many medical problems. And. But by the grace of God, though I, you know, my higher power, for whatever reason, wanted me to live. And uh, I wasn't quite as heavy as she, but, you know, my disease has been in me for uh, 50 years or more, and only an act of my willing willingness to believe that a Power greater than myself can restore me to sanity because I tried so many years, so many millions of times to do different diets and control my weight myself and it never worked for me. And I'm so grateful to a vision for you. Uh, Yes, I'm grateful to OA in general, and and I go to a lot of face-to-face meetings. And I'm so grateful that in Philadelphia, there are a lot of people who listen to this meeting. And so the message is carried of the importance of working the steps because that is what will cause the transformation and bring me closer to my higher power because all this junk now is being taken out of my body. I'm giving it away. I'm surrendering it. I'm turning it over. And therefore, my channel between me and my higher power can be cleaner and wider so that I can accept God's love. And the major transformation is to become God centered in me as opposed to self centered. And I think of others first. And for that reason, my life is so beautiful today. Thank you, God. Thank all of you for this important recovered message that I hear one after the other. Have a great day. With that, I pass. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much, Anita L. And I'll take just one minute here. My name is Katie F., a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. And, you know, this... um, line that says, I had commenced to drink as carelessly as though the cocktails were ginger ale. Well, that's what I did number, uh, you know, hundreds of times is I picked up food that I had not identified as my foods. I had not admitted that I could not eat those foods and put them down. I thought that I should be able to eat them. And so I tried again and again, and then, you know, it got to the point where it wasn't even within any realm of um, of putting down the food, it was flat-out binging. But it wasn't until I was ready to say and to listen to what other people said, you know, I just did not believe that I actually could have neutrality with food. And so, you know, I just wasn't even in the room with people who were talking about um, total abstinence. I just thought that they were crazy and that that would never happen because I had had the mental obsession from the time I can remember, which is about eight years old. So, you know, I just didn't even know that it was possible that I could have complete and total freedom and still eat food and eat food that I like. You know, and I had to be willing to put on that food and to be completely honest and to follow the guidance of a nutritionist with the help of a sponsor. You know, this is not a, you know, self-help group. This is not a thing that we just get all the information, thank you very much, and we do it on our own. I am accountable to this day with what I eat, not for permission, not because I'm too stupid to figure out what, you know, whether I should have this or that but to keep my disease at bay and to keep my head clear and my mind free from that mental obsession of should I, or shouldn't I, will I, won't I, maybe this time, maybe a little, blah, 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 blah. And I'm so grateful to not live in that um, mental torture today. And with that, I'll pass. And I would like to thank um, everyone who has shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. Well, Deb W., please read a vision for you. Our book is meant to be suggestive only.
11: Okay, this is Deb W., Recovered Oklahoma. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask Him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who still